How's everybody doing today? Awesome, man. I am so pumped. I, I've just been really excited. I mean, anytime I get to preach, I'm pretty excited, not going to lie. Um, but today, man, this message has been so heavy on my heart, and I love it because we're in the book of Mark, and we just read through. We don't get to skip anything. You know, a lot of pastors sometimes will just, just like do topical message, but we're on a two-year journey through the book of Mark, and this is the most interesting passage I've ever preached on. It's literally the story of someone getting their head chopped off. Like, that's what I'm preaching on. I looked up and said, okay, what's the next thing to preach on in Scripture? John is beheaded. All right, I'm going to preach. So I'm preaching a message to you. You're probably like, where is he going with this? How does this apply to my life? Is my head getting chopped off? That's not where I'm going with it. But it's, it's, uh, this isn't the right passage either. I think we got the last, last week's notes up there. But we're preaching, um, so I'm preaching about the beheading of John, but I'm more talking about this guy who, who initiated the beheading, who initiated chopping his head, who initiated John being killed. And, um, and what was, but specifically, what was happening in his heart? I have never looked at this passage the same. I've read it, and often I was like, okay, that was a thing that happened. But what sometimes we don't realize is everything in Scripture is God-breathed. And Scripture's, and in 1 Timothy, it even describes that everything in Scripture is useful for us. And everything, and if that's the case, man, we have to look at it that way. And so sometimes I breeze over passages like this, but today I feel like I found something that God was speaking to me that was so unique, and I believe that he wants to speak it to you as well. I believe he's given me this to, to encourage you with. And it's this idea of riding the fence. So Herod was a guy who actually did ride the fence. Here's what I didn't know about, uh, about King Herod, is he actually didn't want to kill John. He was actually torn between these two ideas. He, he didn't want to kill him, but there was part of him that did, and he was riding the fence in this decision. He was riding, the, and he had this pull, so he was a very indecisive person. Where's all my indecisive people at? Yes, come on, and for the people that are like, I don't know, am I, let me decide if I'm indecisive. <laughs> There's your answer. But honestly, I think all of us are a little indecisive at times. And, we, and it's, I believe the decision we're always going to be pulled between and deciding on is a decision and it's a pull in two different directions. And it's something that Herod was experiencing and it's the pull between God, towards God, or the pull away from God. We're experiencing the pull towards truth or the pull towards lies. We're experiencing the pull towards our spirit or the pull towards our flesh. And I'm going to explain what that means in just a second. But Herod was, was not only indecisive, but actually I think he could have both. He could both have God and not God. He could have truth and lies. He could be pulled in this way and that way. He could have spirit and flesh, and he wanted to ride the fence. Today's message is called, I'm not going to ride the fence. Say that with me. I'm not going to ride the fence. And you can follow along in your Bible app because I have a lot of notes. So if you pull that up, you click on uh, more and then you tap events and you can see all the notes, which helps you engage because I do have a lot today 
that's going to be really helpful. But I think many of us think we can do the same thing as Herod. Herod thought he could have both. He could please both his spirit and his flesh. And sometimes when, uh, when I'm making a lunch or a dinner for the kids, I'm, I decide I'm only going to make one thing. But the kids, one kid wants a peanut butter sandwich. I don't know why. They do, do not want jelly at my house. They just want plain peanut butter sandwich. So one kid wants a sandwich. One kid wants my famous chicken and rice, all right? And by famous, I mean it's famous in my household, and that's it. But it's famous. And one kid wants this. One kid wants this. And sometimes I say, hey, I can please both. Why not both? I don't mind making a sandwich. I don't mind having the chicken rice too. But sometimes, and more my wife does this because she's probably a better parent. She says, you know what? I'm cooking one thing and you guys will eat what you get, eat what you get and you don't throw a fit, right? But sometimes I'm like, hey, I'll make you a sandwich and I'll make you this and I'll be able to please both kids. See, unlike my situation, we cannot please our spirit and our flesh. They are opposed to each other. Check this out. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 says, but I I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those are, I want you to say this, this bold part together with me. For those are opposed to each other. You see that? They are opposed to each other to keep you doing from doing the things you want to do. So you cannot have both. You cannot have both the spirit and the flesh inside of you. You can't please both. Like I sometimes can do that for my kids, say I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to make both happy. But when it comes to our spirit and our flesh, we cannot ride the fence. We cannot, we cannot please both. It's one or the other. And, and when we, Herod was living this idea of riding the fence, and I even coined this term that he lived the life of eventually. Because he was pulled in these two directions, and, and he was saying, I'm going to eventually make a decision. I like this, I like that, and he, I'm pretty sure he was d- denying that he could, he could have both. He wanted to believe that he could have both, but really he was like, eventually I'll make a decision. And, and the thing I wrote down about this is when we live a life of eventually, the decision will eventually be made for us. And that's what we see happen, happen with King Herod. And when we see this pull in the midst of him, and what I notice also is the decision to ride the fence is a decision to forfeit the battle that's inside of us. It's, it's essentially saying, I'm going to ride the fence. You're forfeiting the battle that is inside of you, that is the spirit and the flesh. So I want to compare these two things. Like I said, I got a lot of notes, but I believe, again, this is going to be highly beneficial to you. So here's what it says, or here's what spirit and flesh, these are opposed to each other. And so so you can see the first thing on this this, uh, slide of spirit versus flesh is there's fulfillment in the spirit, but there's emptiness in the flesh. We find fulfillment when we we satisfy our spirit and and we allow that to come and, and we make those decisions. And we find emptiness without it. That's what we, and all these things, you're going to see in King Herod's life that we read the passage today. And then we see sustained joy versus these fleeting pleasures. These, these, we often, the flesh, he says, I mean, that sounds really good, but it's, it's for a moment, and it leaves us empty. 
The next thing is this, is we see peace with the spirit, but turmoil with the flesh. And this we really see with Herod, that he was, he was just torn. He was deeply sorrowed, the scripture says. And, and that's what happens when we try to live a life on the fence. The next thing is this, is when we're with the spirit, we make decisions based on truth. But with the flesh, we're often making decisions based on social acceptance. What are my friends going to think? What are my family? What are the other people? What are the coworkers going to think? And we'll see this again in every aspect of, of the passage today. The next thing is we see a closeness with God. When God's speaking to us and we're, we're going with our gut, we're leaning to our conscience and feel the Spirit of God pulling us this way. We're feeding our flesh and we're close to God, but feeding the, the, the flesh that will push us away from God. And, and we find this distance and this separation from God. And then we see that we can hear from God when we're with the Spirit and we're numb to God with the flesh. And overall, this is, this is the, the summation of it all. With the Spirit, there's truth, but with the flesh, there's lies. See, with the Spirit, we're, we're experiencing the truth, which is God's work. But with the lies, we're, with the flesh, we're experiencing these lies. The lies say, hey, this is going to be worth it. This is, wor- this is going to make sense, but it's a fleeting pleasure. It's emptiness, and it's ultimately distance from God, separation from God. And so with this idea that you can hear from God and you hear truth, something I felt like I wanted to encourage you with today, and, and, and in regards to this entire thing, spirit versus flesh, what does that mean? I wanted to just to let some people know today that you can hear from God. Some of us feel like only the pastor is able to do that. Only, only the people who have served God for so long and that pray all the time and they're so holy and they read their Bible all the time. These things help. But I want to let you know that even if you're, you're one minute into your salvation experience, even if you just accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can hear from God. You know, you were born with the ability to hear God. You were born with the ability to hear God. He, he gave that to you, and he, that's what's called your spirit. He get, and he wants to speak to you through that. People talk about it all the time, about this idea of going with your gut. That's often God speaking to your conscience. He's speaking, Scripture describes it as your spirit man. And then there's the natural man. There's the spirit, and then there's the flesh. So I want to encourage some people today that you can hear from God. And often we just need to be aware of it. And, and God is speaking to us. I see this, these things played out in uh, the story of King Herod. But I believe many of us are in this, this battle as we're looking at this. And we're being pulled between these two things. And we don't even realize it. We don't even realize that we're being pulled between these two things. But today, I want to encourage you that if we recognize this, here's what I want, want to come from all this. When we, if we recognize this and fully commit, say, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to ride the fence. I'm going to fully commit to, to, to God. I'm going to fully commit to, to living my life for God. It will drastically change the trajectory of your life. I believe God put this on my heart for people today that are even in this room right now, that are in this battle, and I want to let you know that your future, that decades from now, the trajectory of your life will alter when you fully commit to say, I'm not going to ride the fence. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to lean into this because everything changes. So my prayer for you is that you're able to see this and that you're encouraged and equipped to walk in the Spirit, to hear from God. 
And as a result, you get closer to God and you find joy, you find peace, and you find a closeness to God. Now, sometimes scripture is there to tell us what not to do. Like, it's a great example of saying, wow, this is, this is a story of something we can avoid. And I believe this definitely is a passage in which we could say, man, I really need to avoid this. This is a good example of, of what not to do. And I want to explain to you this passage a little bit more. And so there's three people that I really want to explain that have a lot of family drama. So this is a little crazy, but this is the Bible. Okay, so Herod, he is the main person, the main subject of this passage. But, and it's his relationship to these two people that is very interesting. All right? So King Herod. And Herod, so, there was, so there's Herod. And then the next person I want to talk about is, I'm hoping her name is not pronounced Salami. <laughs> I didn't look up to how you pronounce it, but that poor kid. Maybe it's Salome. So we're, that's what we're going to go with. But, but Salome had a very interesting relationship. Salome was Herod's prostitute. But interestingly enough, she was also Herod's stepchild, also Herod's niece, and also Herod's grandniece. You can map this out. It's crazy. And then Her- Herodias was Herod's wife, not only wife, but also Herod's sister-in-law. Not only Herod's sister-in-law, but also Herod's niece. I didn't realize this until I really looked into the complexity of what this is. See, some of you all watching reality TV for entertainment, you just need to look at the Bible. There is so much in there. It's pure entertainment. And, and I believe that, that we often will, uh, that, that this, is, this is important for us to understand the context of it, because so, of how Herod was influenced by this. And first of all, he got into himself into a mess. Why, how do you do that? you got to be pretty messed up in your head to, to, to find yourself in that family drama. But, hey, it's Scripture. So you thought your family was jacked up? <laughs> be encouraged, church. So I'm going to jump into Scripture, and then I'm going to let God's Word speak to us. Start, starting in verse 14, Mark chapter 6, this is what it says. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said... John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Now right there, it's it's actually going to go back in time. And it's going to be referring to, to what has already happened. And this is bringing up, Mark is bringing up something that has happened in the past. So starting in verse 17 we see the recap of, of how John was beheaded. For it was Herod who had, sent, who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his, brother's, his brother Philip's wife. There's the, there's the family drama right there. Because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, but she could not. For Herod feared John. We're going to talk about that. Knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. 
Verse 21, but an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in, this is Salome, Salome, for when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask for me whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist. And not just the head, but the head on a platter. She added a little something to it. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his words to her. And immediately the king set an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. I'm going to switch to this mic. So I want to pray. And I'm just going to ask God for him to speak to us through his word today in this passage that is the most interesting, but very unique, and I believe very powerful for us today. Lord, I pray simply that you would take your word and speak to us. Some of us, I believe, are in here riding the fence, but you're going to call us, you're going to speak to us and change us by the power of your spirit. And so I thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So I actually have 10 points, which has never been done in my, for, for me. I've never had 10 points, but a lot of them are going to be quick. But I gave us 10 points because I want to see the, the, prog- the progression, Herod's progression from spirit to flesh. And then the battle that he had with in him side, inside of him. And starting with verse 18, I want to look at this. It says, Herod was corrected by John. That's the first thing I noticed. And this is, this is Herod's spirit speaking to him. And it's speaking to him through this righteous man of God named John. So he was initially offended by this correction. But he, so he sent and seized him and had him put in prison. So Herod's progression. First, he was corrected by John. And the next thing we see in verse 20 is he feared and protected John. So I don't know if you noticed when we were reading this, is like if that was surprising to you of like Herod fearing this man, John. Like John the Baptist didn't have any political power, but Herod had all the political power. And so why would a, why would a king like this, with all power, fear this, this nobody that was just a guy that he had sentenced to, sent, sentenced to prison? I believe he, he feared John because... Because evil is terrified by righteousness. I believe he was fearful because because goodness is terrifying to evil. Someone said that the truth will make you free, but at first it will make you miserable. And I've never heard that before. Actually, I read a commentary about that, and it was kind of different. The truth will make you free, but... At first, it will make you miserable. And I think King Herod was standing at the outside fringes of this reality in fear. He was being pulled between his spirit and his flesh. 
because he said, man, this truth, I want to experience this freedom. But in order for me to do that, that means I have to, say, to let go of a lot of different things. So the realization of our sin should drive us to Christ. The realization of our sin, it should drive us to Christ because the truth is that he forgives our sin. And that we don't, have to, we don't have to be shamed. There is no shame with our sin because he has given his life for us. Jesus has died on the cross and provided the atonement, the forgiveness, so that we can have reconciliation to God. That is truth. But the, reali- the realization of our sin calls us to the question of whom do we serve. The realization of our sin calls us to make a decision to get off the fence. We can't, when we realize how we sin. So how do you respond to the realization of our sin, do we, do we let God work in our lives? Or do we, do we just sweep aside under that truth? And so I believe this quote that the truth will make you miserable at first refers to the pain that many of us have with change. We don't like change. And many of us stay where Herod did, on the fence, intrigued by righteousness, intrigued by this guy named John. Herod was was perplexed, but did not want to give up the fleeting pleasures of his lifestyle. So he feared and protected John, that's why. And then leading into that, the next thing is, Herod was perplexed by John and gladly heard him. That's, this is an, two very interesting factors again. Why was Herod perplexed? Why did he hear him with gladness? So I think Herod actually just liked hearing him because it made him feel good. Like there's, there's power and truth. We enjoy hearing. Hopefully you guys love coming and hearing the God's word preached. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Herod stopped right there at just listening. It was encouraging to him. And I think even Herod thought this idea that if I hear something good, if I hear these righteous things, if I listen to God's word, maybe it'll just cover my sin. Maybe just listening will do the trick. But his heart never changed, and his actions never changed, and he remained on the fence. But he was drawn to it. He was perplexed by John. He was perplexed by his righteousness. And so I want to ask you, do we just enjoy listening to the truth, or do we actually allow it to change us? Do we actually allow his word to infiltrate our hearts and change us? See, with the next, see this was him riding the fence, but he never changed. Herod's Herod's conscience was stirred. He was torn between these two things. But eventually the question was called. The The next thing we see in verse 21 and 22 is Herod surrounded himself with sin. So you see that he said, hey, he threw a banquet and this banquet was full of sin. It even says there was there was women that came in and pleased the men. And so he was surrounded himself with this sin. And then the next thing that I want to highlight in verse 23 is he made a dumb decision in the midst of sin. This is so powerful, church. Sin makes us dumb. Sin will just make you dumb. I'm not talking about your IQ. I'm talking about your ability to receive truth. So you don't think straight. You know like those Snickers commercials? Like, oh, you're not the same when you're hungry. You're not yourself when you're hungry. So you don't think straight. You're not yourself when you're in sin. 
when you immerse yourself in the midst of sin and you're gratifying your flesh, it's opposed to truth. It's opposed to the spirit. So what I mean by dumb is, I mean, you're not receiving truth. You're not listening to truth. You mute yourself to truth. It's not about your intelligence. It's your ability to receive truth. And Herod was immersed in sin. He was immersed in pleasing his flesh. He was disobeying God's word. He was, he was giving in to every aspect of his flesh. And when we do that, we become numb to the voice of God. There, were, there was dumb and then there was dumb-er. It was Harry and Lloyd all over, but way worse because he was so mute to the voice of God. So sin makes us dumb because we're feeding our flesh. And Herod's gaze was on sin. He was focused on the sin. And in the midst of that sin, he made the dumbest mistake of his life. He allowed, he gave permission. He literally gave the sin anything it wanted. He gave the girl, he said, ask for me whatever you want. Like, I'm the king. I can make things happen. He had the power to do it. And he literally just said, whatever you want. See, sin is always asking for more power in our lives. And the more attention we give it, the more, the more we gaze at our sin and listen to our flesh, the more authority it has over our life. And you are the gatekeeper of that authority you give it. You, when you're focused, it's based on our attention. It's based on our gaze. When we give our attention, when we give our focus, when we give it our sin, time, attention, and energy, it has more authority. When we give our lust attention, when we give our greed attention, when we give any type of sin attention, it has more authority. But you know what else? When we give our spirit, when we give our truth, when we give God our attention and energy, he has more authority. We become more receptive to the truth. We become more receptive to what God is actually speaking to us, and we hear God's voice. And Herod was torn in between these two things. And so the question is, what are we feeding? Because when we feed our flesh more, we're not, it's opposed to the truth. It's opposed to the tr spirit. And we are not listening to it anymore. And so, and we see he felt this pull to the spirit, but he committed to the flesh. The next verse that I want to highlight is Herod was torn. Verse 26 says that he was exceedingly sorry. This reveals the spiritual nature of what was going on inside of his heart. He was exceedingly sorry. The question had eventually been called for him to make a decision to get off the fence. He was riding the fence, but then the question was called because he was loved hearing John. He, loved, he, he feared John even, but he had just given the authority. He just promised. He made an oath. To, to this girl that she could have whatever she wanted. And she came back and said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And this was, was his response. He was exceedingly sorry. And, and it even describes this, this level. It's the same word that Jesus experienced to, to describe Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweated blood and when he was so torn because he knew he had to go to the cross. But he, but it, he knew it was going to be painful for him. And he, and he prayed to, to God. He said, if there's any way that I, that I can get out of this, if there's any way, let this cut pass. And we experience this every time. When we're torn between sin 
when we're torn between our flesh and our spirit. Man, we're torn and we need to make a decision. But he was forced to do this. And this is what, where, where he gave in. Herod was influenced by social acceptance. See, he was around this atmosphere of his commanders, his political leaders. And it said that he, because of his oaths and his guests, he gave in and had John beheaded. Man, our flesh makes decisions based on social acceptance. What, is, what looks right to my friends? What looks right to my family? What, am, what are people going to perceive me as? And we make decisions that are not honoring God. See, see, we make decisions when we're forced to make a decision of our conscience or based on what others think, based on fear of others or the fear of God, based on morality or social acceptance, based on what we know should, should, we should do or based on what has the least social opposition. Herod gave in. That's the next thing we see. Herod was, was, was uh, he gave in and had John killed. And here's something that, that's really unique. Right after that, we see that Herod was even proud of killing John. And they, I'm, I can't continue to go on this progression from the spirit where he was fearing and protecting John, where he was perplexed by him, by when well, he listened to him proudly. But we say, but as we read in that passage, he said, no, this is John whom I beheaded. In verse 16, it describes that, he, it emphasized that he even said it twice. It says, I did it. I had him beheaded. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even just because my wife wanted him dead. I beheaded him. And he be, became proud of his sin. And the last aspect that we see is, is fast forward to Luke chapter 23. Because remember when Jesus, remember when Jesus was before, he, before the cross, who did he go before? He went before Pontius Pilate, but he also went before Herod. And Herod looked, him, looked Jesus straight in the face and experienced no shame. He experienced nothing. He was numb to the voice of God, to the presence of God. He was numb to the spirit. Herod looked Jesus straight in the face and felt nothing. He felt numb. He found himself so far from God, not by a decision that he made, but rather the lack of a decision that he made. He found himself there because he never made the decision to fully commit to God. He made, it was a decision to ride the fence, but it actually became a decision to forfeit the battle. He lived a life of eventually, and that resulted in someone else eventually making the decision for him. Someone else made that decision for him. The question was called out to him. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us already that we just may not realize it yet. He's calling us to righteousness, church. He's calling us to walk in the Spirit. He's calling us to lean in and not ignore this pull, not ignore what God's doing in our heart. But he's calling us to lean in and walk in the Spirit. That's not, that's battle everyone has. And if we're unaware of this, we will lose. I wonder if some of us in here today are riding the fence and we're riding this mindset of eventually. We're riding this mindset of, of on the fence and I'll eventually choose a side. 
I believe that the Spirit is speaking to us. And even right now as I'm talking about this, we can look back on times in our life and we can notice this progression. We can notice when the Spirit is calling us and the flesh is calling us. We can notice this pull because it's, it's, it was put in us at our inception. When we were born, we had this. We were created with this ability to hear God. And I actually looked back and I felt like God reminded me of this, this memory of my life that I actually forgot about. And it was actually before I really gave my life to the Lord. I knew about God, but it was probably when I was 10 years old. And, I, and this memory came to my mind of, of being 10 years old, and, and I was watching TV, and I saw a commercial for this worship album. I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was the music. It was being promoted on the commercial. And what I saw drew me. I saw people raising their hands. I saw people going after God, and it was completely foreign to me. I didn't know what it was, but I saw people just seeking God with their whole heart through worship, through song. And I remember being so drawn to whatever that was. I didn't know. It was completely foreign to me. I didn't go, go to church. And I just remember thinking, that sound, that, that looks awesome. I want that. I want to do that. But what went through my mind, I will never forget this part that, that God reminded me of this week is I remember thinking, I will eventually do that. I remember thinking, that would be weird if I did this now. You know, I'm 10 years old, my family, how am I, what, what does that even mean? And I literally remember thinking, maybe once I'm an adult, and I'm old enough, and I have my own thing, then I will do that. Well, I wish I could go back to that day and say, no, the time's now. I'm not going to eventually commit my life to the Lord. I'm not going to eventually say I'm going to fully commit to God. I'm not eventually going to say I'm going to go all in with my spirit and walk by the spirit and not live a life on the fence. If I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do this thing. If I'm going to commit my life to God, if I believe in him, I'm not going to ride the fence anymore. I believe God is calling us today to get off the fence. And I believe God is calling you today to say, are you going to walk in the spirit or are you going to walk in the flesh? And when you make that decision, you commit to that. He will honor that, and he will give you that peace. And I think I'm speaking to some people today that have been a Christian a long time, but they've, they feel this pull. But often we're, we're, we can relate to Herod, that he had all these other things telling him why, man, why we shouldn't go all in in worship, why we shouldn't, shouldn't fully commit, why we shouldn't reach out to those coworkers and friends that we have that don't know Jesus, that need to experience the same life and freedom I have, but I'm not, I'm too, too worried about what people are going to think. Some of us today are being called to get off the fence but some of us today, we're called to, to start a relationship with Jesus. Some of us today in this room even, I believe, are on that side of the fence where we haven't even began a relationship with Jesus. And today, God wants to meet you right where you are. God put this on my heart for a reason. If it, even if it's just for one person, God may be calling you to, be, to lean in more to the Spirit. Maybe some of us, like I said, we're, we're living for Jesus, but we know Him, but we're not committed but also, I just want to encourage you with that, that idea of don't wait. That was something that God really pressed on my heart, is not to wait. So we live a life of eventually 
That decision will eventually be made for us. And I don't know about you, but I actually want to be intentional about my life. I want to make the decisions. And when I look back on my life, I want to say, man, I didn't feed the flesh. I leaned in and I walked in the spirit and I listened to the voice of God. So I want to pray for us, church, and then just challenge us to lean into this. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? Lord, I I just thank you for what you're doing even here in this moment. And I just pray for us uh, today that, that uh, you would remind us that you've been speaking to us. You would even show people in this room that you have been speaking to them. Just have your way in this place today. And church, just with every head bowed, I just want to know who I could be praying for. If this, if this message really was for you and you're saying, man, I've been... I know Jesus, but I've been feeling this pull, and I feel like I'm on the fence, and I want to I lean in, and I want to walk in the Spirit, and you're just saying, hey, could you pray for me, Lauren, because I want to do this, and I need God's strength. Would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Just put your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hands going up all of those places. Just you just taking another step towards Christ. Thank you so much. You could put it down. And then also with he- every head bowed, if you're, and you're here, and that was for you, this message that you don't even know Jesus right now, that you feel so separated from God and you need the forgiveness of God to bring about reconciliation in your life, reconciliation to him, and you find yourself distanced from him, I'm providing you the truth that that he forgives all of your sin. You don't need to go out and make your life right and do a bunch of good things in order for you to meet God. He's here with open arms for somebody today. And if that's you in this place and you feel distant from God, and you want to, to allow him in and, and the forgiveness of sin to happen in your life, would you just boldly raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Put it up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Three hands. You could put it right back down. Anybody else? You could put it up and put it right back down. Thank you so much. God's calling us to respond. Would we stand to our feet across this place? I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and we're going to just go into this last song of, of leaning into the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Would you pray this with me? Jesus, I need you. And I want to walk in the Spirit. I know I have sin in my life. I ask you to forgive me. I ask for you to make me new. Come into my life and give me strength to live for you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be closer to you, God. I live for you in Jesus' name. Amen.